Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 to 32. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one, members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, for only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. This is God's word. Amen. You can have a seat, family. Lord, would you allow us to hear from your word, encourage us that we might be able to understand you more, equip us that we might be able to live out what you speak. Make it plain. Move me so your people may be equipped. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, in life, you got some before and after action. You got some things that happened back in the day and some things that happened kind of modern day. You guys might be able to scroll through some old Facebooks, and I can look up some of those first pictures you put on Facebook when you first jumped on there. Those look a little bit different than they do today. I asked some of my friends to give me a, a little bit of a hand because sometimes you need to see like an image of before and after to help you get a sense of what Paul is speaking of when he talks to us today about putting, taking off the old self and putting on the new self. So I, I, I got a little bit of... Some, some before, some old self pictures, and some new self pictures from some friends of mine. You mind bringing up that first one? My sister Alicia hooked us up. Now, Alicia, uh, that's, that's a kind of older picture. Come, come to us with a new one, brother. That's the new one. Um, my sister looks, I don't see, look, girl, you look the same, but we have, it's okay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's all right, though. <laughs> Keep going, brother. Um, then we got uh, one of our brothers in the church body, old school, got the police outfit on, uh, but he looks a little bit different today. Uh, bring him up. Uh, that's, that's our brother, Kamal, you know, the, the old Kamal, new Kamal. All right, then we got one of my sisters with the fanny pack. Bring it on up. Fanny pack. Um, that's my old sis. Oh, oh, the old sis. Here's the, the new sis, our sister Colette, you know. <laughs> and then lastly, we got one brother who uh, served in the military as we are uh, thinking of those that have served uh, today. Uh, this is the new him, though. The new him, brother, brother Alvin. Family, we are in a, in a teaching series that is called Walk It Out. 
where we are talking about what it means to actually live for Christ. The previous series we had was the fundamentals, the foundation of the faith, those things that take place inside you that God is doing, where he calls you, where he changes your heart, where he gives you a new mind, where you can see things in a new way. But this series is now not talking about what's taking place inside you, but actually how it gets expressed externally. What you actually supposed to go do, what you should look like. All the practice has taken place and now it's game time. And so we started in chapter four of Ephesians and we looked at the main verse that is the theme for our whole Study And it was in verse one where it says, I therefore prisoner of the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Walk with humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, eager to maintain unity. We talked about how the body is unified and some things that that can kill unity are stuff like gossip A church body that gossips will kill unity. A church body that doesn't pray will kill unity. A church body where we have no expectations. Oh, you don't need to be godly. You don't need to be holy. You don't need to be loving. Just come to church. No, a church body that has low expectations will kill unity. Churches that have cliques and power groups will kill unity. And a church that doesn't tell other people about Jesus will kill unity. We then talked about verse uh, 11 Our brother Alvin preached on it, and it says in there, he gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. That that God equips us, and in doing so, we are able to advance his ministry, and we do that because of God's victory. Because of Jesus' victory, we have power to be able to empower encourage one another, work together, and achieve the unity that he has set aside. And then lastly, our brother, our brother Matthew preached uh, two weeks ago, and he encouraged us that our doctrine, our understanding of who God is, determines how we live out our faith. So, so there's a renewing that happens of our mind where we are no longer the old self, and now we get to act out in this new self that God has made. And so Paul goes straight up. Paul gets real. Paul does not try to do any like imagery that you might miss it. He says, you know, you know how like when when you was a kid and your mama would be like, come here. You know, when that finger get to moving so quick and they say, come here. They're not about to give you no story. They're about to, now, what did I tell you to do? It comes quick, it comes direct, and it comes sharp. That's how Paul is about to hit the body of Christ. I'm going to give y'all some quick lessons of how to live for Jesus and go do it, point blank. Here we go. Let's dive in. Verse 25. Therefore, having put away all falsehood, Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. I'm getting a little bit of a weird echo. I don't know if y'all are hearing it. If y'all cool, I'm going to keep it rocking. Um, Put away all falsehood. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. There's this this, uh, 
understanding first that before you can realize how to do each of these different elements that I'm going to walk through today, that you first got to understand why we do it. Because lying, not lying, telling the truth, what's the greater purpose that each of these elements that Jesus is trying to communicate through Paul, what's the greater purpose that they achieve? And they achieve 1 Thessalonians, it's communicated in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and it says this. It says, finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that you receive from us, you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing more and more. Why do we do all of these different things we're going to talk about today? Why do we not lie? Why do we encourage? It's because God wants you to walk it out and he wants you to please him. Let me hear you say, I want to be a God pleaser. I want to be a God pleaser. Yeah, try to spell that. You ain't going to get it. Uh, but that, that's our aim is to please God. We want to be God pleasers, God pleasers. And so Paul's going to say, you want to know how to do it? Here you go. First, stop lying. First, no gossip. First, tell the truth. I, uh, I, I used to kick it with like a bunch of different groups when I was in high school. And my name is Leon, for those of y'all that don't know me. But one group of homies started calling me Lion. Because I would lie occasionally just to puff myself up a little bit. Oh, Bone Thugs and Harmony had that concert last night? Yeah, I went. I was on the front row, boy. I was on the front row with them kicking it, you know what I'm saying? We went back to their house afterward. We saw you cutting the grass yesterday, Leon. <laughs> and, and, and these lies would, would sometimes come out out of insecurity. Either I wanted to impress and, and make you think higher of me than I, than I should have, or I felt so low that I just wanted you to know I was your equal. But this is the body of Christ. God has said we are all already equal. We are all made in his image. There is no reason for me to try to have to convince you to try to have to convince us to have to use false truths, false statements. And so he says real quick, don't lie. If we went to a conference, um, Just Gospel Conference, I remember the sister said something that really was encouraging to me. She said, or it's not to me, she said it on the stage. She said, uh, as a woman, if iron sharpens iron, my brothers, my men, I just want you to remember that I'm iron. I want you to see me as one that sharpens you. But, but what happens when the very way in which we sharpen each other is based on lies? That's not a building up. That's not a making you better. That's actually cutting down who we are. It actually hurts and, and breaks at the fabric of who the church is. So you want to be a God pleaser, we have to tell the truth and be honest. Let's keep it going. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. This comes out of Psalms chapter four, which actually breaks it down just a little bit more. Psalm chapter four, verse four says, be angry and do not sin. But hear this part. 
ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Ponder in your own hearts on your bed and be silent. The, 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 the goal here is that when you get angry, you would not be impulsive. When you get angry, you would not respond right off the jump. When you get angry, you would not allow that anger to fester over long periods of time, but you would actually pause and say, Lord, where is this anger coming from? And there's a brother named um, Tim Challies. He has he's a pastor in Toronto and he has a, a blog and he he did this breakdown of uh, of uh, this brother named Robert Jones book, which is called Three Marks of Righteous Anger. And I want to actually break down anger because anger runs crazy through our community. Amen. Yeah. It runs crazy through our church. It runs crazy through our neighborhood. Anger is one of those things that like, it's like wildfire. It, just, it only takes one thing and you go, you go crazy. I, I remember talking to Kevin once and he was telling me of, of the different meals that they serve. The meals are actually free. They're trying to care for people. They're trying to bless people. But all you got to do is, is, is line up two people. You want to see some anger? Line up two people and give one person a little bit more baked beans than the other. Line up one person and let them see they get served before somebody else was in line. Line line up two people and see one feel like they don't get cared for in the way that they should. And you see an anger come out of people. Come on. uh, What's it called? Help help me out, Stephen. World star hip hop. What? What? All you did just type in fight on there and you see hood. You What? We got anger problems running crazy through our community. And so I, w- I want to I break it down. I want, I, I, th- this brother shares something that I, I felt like he peeked into my head and stole, stole my story. So I'm actually going to read one part that he says verbatim. First part. That if if you're going to be angry and not sin, you have to actually be angry about sin. Not preference. Not what you would prefer. You have to actually be angry about sin. Listen, listen to this story real quick. I'm going to try to make it quick. He said, I've, he says, uh, Tim says this about his wife. I love it when Eileen greets me when I get home from work. It makes me feel good because it makes me feel loved. But here's the thing. Running to the front door to greet me isn't always the first thing on her list of priorities. She gets busy with life. And often when I get home, there's no welcoming committee with signs and balloons and a brass band. It's right in this moment that I can find myself getting angry. I don't blow up and yell and scream and throw my computer bag across the room. Instead, I sulk. I get angry. But try to but but try to pretty it up by letting it be the, the brooding anger instead of the explosive anger. When Eileen does see me and does come to give me a hug, I, I tighten up or I move away. Now I don't want to do anything with her. Has she sinned? Did she sin against God? Of course not. She hasn't sinned. She just hasn't accounted for one of my petty preferences. In that moment, I'm making a moral judgment as if I am God as if I am the one who makes the rules that govern this world. Eileen has not conformed to the law of Tim 
and this is the source of my displeasure. I've elevated myself to God's place so that against me and me only has she sinned and done what is evil in my sight. Our preferences are not sinful acts. Our preferences are not sinful acts. The Bible will not show in the Ten Commandments something about Leon and my little things that I like done. And I'm sure it's the same for you. Do you know how many expectations you have in one given day? You know how many expectations? Right now, you're thinking about what plate you're going to have when we leave here. And if you ask your cousin, your friend next to you, your spouse to make your plate, they probably will bring you a plate a little bit different than the way you expected. You know how many expectations go through your head and how many times you have an opportunity to miss each other in friendship, in marriage, in church body. And each day what you have to do in your mind is say, does that really matter? You each day have hundreds of expectations that don't get met and you determine which ones is worth arguing over, which ones are worth going there over, which ones are worth putting your foot down over. And God is saying, are they sin? If they're not sin, then pick that foot up. Let's keep going. Actual sin is first. Next, it has to be godly concern. It means that uh, the anger that you have is focused on advancing, caring for, equipping, empowering God's kingdom. All right, if, it, if, if you can be angry first about actual sin, next you can be angry about something that is related to God's kingdom. If somebody at work disrespects you and calls you out your name, is that a kingdom issue? If, if somebody lies about you as a person, is that a kingdom issue? If somebody don't like you, if your kid's acting up, if your spouse burn the food, I do that often. Is, is that a kingdom issue? No. You see, God is saying you can get angry. I just don't want you to sin. And there's some stuff you can get angry about. But we see quickly that it's, it's, it's getting less and less about, about us. It's less and less about, about us that we have the right to actually be angry about some stuff. And so lastly, if first it has to actually be sin, then it actually has to be about God's kingdom. Lastly, it's got to be a godly expression, Brother Tim says. It says, true, true anger properly diagnoses what is actual sin, Tim says. It focuses not on personal offense as much as Godward offense, and then it expresses itself in ways consistent with Christian character. This was a rough week for me. 
all week I've been uh, preparing to preach this message, and uh, um, and I and I have some struggles because I had some times this week where I responded in anger that I had to apologize for. And if I can be real with you, when I became angry, I had reasons why my anger was justified because of what the other person did. Here's the list. Yeah, that warranted me responding this way. Yeah, messing with me. I'm a child of God. They can't think, how are you going to say that to me? Yeah, and if, if I could be honest, the, the checks and balances that God is providing, they, my, my, my anger, my actions weren't justified. And we have four children, and, and one of them responded in a way to my wife where I just went crazy. All right, number one, is this sin? Okay, actually, this kind of, I find this in the Ten Commandments about honoring mother and father. Okay, okay, I got, got you there. All right, next one, King God's kingdom. Ooh, well, actually, this, I want to have a Christ-centered home with children that actually glorify the look. You're stretching it now, Lee. You're, try, you're trying to make this one work. You're trying to make this one work. Okay, let's go to that third one, godly response. Nah. Response wasn't godly at all. Actually, actually, if, if you take it through that paradigm, if I'm saying, God, this hurts your heart because it's sin, and God, this will advance your kingdom, then how am I going to mess up on the last one, which is character that looks just like you? How am I going to mess up on the actual thing that other people get to experience, which is what and how I respond? I'm coming to do God's work because I see God's heart is hurting, and I'm a cuss you out and 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 I'm a let you see the anger in my face so that you know if you say one more thing it's going there see that's that's where we trust that our where we don't trust God where we where we think that if we come Across, if we let it out in the compassionate, patient, kind way that God's going to talk about in all the rest of these verses, if we let it out like that, then you're just going to walk over me again. You're just going to do it again. So instead of expressing it in the godly way that he wants, we take control. We take control. We let our anger rule us and it will destroy my relationship with my kids. It will destroy my relationship with my wife. It will destroy my relationship with my community. It will restore, destroy our relationship as a family if we allow anger to win. And so I'm sorry that uh, we only two verses in. I ain't going to be that long on all the rest of them. But I see the way that anger eats away at us, y'all. And I also see the way that God redeems us when we take it through these steps. He, he, he walks us off the plank. He calms us down. You just said, what to me? Okay, was that actual sin? No. Okay, well, 
And I start walking. Literally, literally. We, we, so we just, we just hooked up our house. We got a loan to do some work on our house. Most of the stuff we have in our house is Craigslist. Y'all know some of the stuff we have in our house, you done threw out. I picked it up off your porch, brought it into my house. So y'all know how we roll. We just got a new couch and a new, um, a new um, uh, rug. New. First time we got something like, new. Okay. This morning. Me and wifey about to get into it. We stay cool. All right, Lord, I'm about to go preach about anger. Hold it. Hold it. Stay tuned. Okay. All right. I got the juice. I got the cinnamon rolls. I lean over to give Boo a... I got the grape juice. I got the cinnamon rolls. Lean over. Give Boo a kiss. I pour the grape juice on the new couch and a new floor. And God said to me, what they got to do with my kingdom? What's that got to do with my kingdom? This is my new... But <laughs> you see, when we, when we actually... It gets real. Y'all know what I'm saying. It gets real. But when we stop and be God's people who says, you can't respond impulsively, I made you into a new person. I've died so that you could live free. You can't do that. So now walk it through kingdom, actual sin. How are you going to express it? How are you going to express it? Let's be a people that express it like he says, with honesty. With character that respects and that reflects God. Next, we go to verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. It just speaks to a posture, y'all, that there is there is a, a design that God has. And even as we work, we're supposed to be remembering it's bigger than us. No, I don't work for my own wallet, my own savings, only my own. No, that even my work is thinking of others. How can I make sure that the person who has nothing is cared for, even through my hard work? You're going to see a theme that as we serve, God is saying, it ain't about you. It's not about you. In the same way, uh, the, the African Bible commentary says, in the same way uh, as our work should help others, so should our speech. Look what it says in verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Give grace to those who hear. I've, uh, I've been able to have a nose broken when I was playing hoop. I've had an ankle broken hooping. I've been in uh, a near-death car accident physically where I experienced pain uh, that was crazy. But if you want to know what has hurt me the most, what I've had to have Jesus constantly renew my mind, it's been harsh words that have settled in my soul. Harsh statements that I've had to renew my mind and say, nope, that was a lie. I'm not going to receive that. But Lord is in there. Family, our words are powerful. 
powerful. And I, I do remember when, when I, when we, maybe it was one of the first times I gave my daughter a spanking, my first daughter. I remember my wife just talking to me about the words I say when I do it. Because long after the spanking is done, those words will stick with her. So does she want to have the image of a dad that's just trying to tear her up? Or does she want to have the image of a dad who's loving while disciplining? And, and, and that, that is the image even of anger. Like anger, when you respond in a God-centered way, doesn't mean you're a, you're a punk. It doesn't mean you're a pushover. It doesn't mean that we just keep letting stuff happen. It just means that when you say you're going to do something, you do it, and you do it with Christ-like character. So now, I said, if you hit your sister again, you're going to have a consequence. Oh, you hit them. Come on, let's go have the consequence. Come on, let's go have the consequence. You know, like, no, we don't need all of that. You can still be a person of Christ-like character, but follow through on your word. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so we want to be a God-pleaser. You want to be a what? God-pleaser. And so all of these things are contributing towards our ability to be a God-pleaser. But the opposite of that is a Holy Spirit Griever. Listen to verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Grief, grief, grief. Grief happens to, to living beings. And so I, 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 I struggle with my friends as Jehovah's Witness and other entities that say that the Spirit is not God. Like God grieves when we behave in ways that don't reflect him. The Holy Spirit grieves when you act in ways that reflect the old you. So the Holy Spirit's like, dang, I made you new. I made you alive and you acting dead. You, you, what? Dead man walking? Like, hold on. I just, I just gave you new life and you want to act like you, you, you're still same old you? No. No, so, so we grieve the Holy Spirit when we do lie, when we have words that cut each other, when our anger is impulsive. But we don't want to be a people that grieve the Holy Spirit. We don't want to be a Holy Spirit griever. We want to be a God pleaser. Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> And so then he just gives this laundry list of, okay, maybe you say, well, anger ain't my thing. Actually, I can handle anger. It's, it's kind of holding on to stuff and like developing a little bit of a, a, a grudge or getting a little bitter. You know what? Let me go ahead and just hit y'all with a Uzi with a bunch of stuff. Look what he says in, in verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander. Which one is yours? You ain't got one. We'll add it on the list. Whatever it is that you feel like is going to be destructive to how you respond to people and how you view people and how you care for other people who God has made in his image, whatever that is. Let's put it on the list. Because because this is a people who I've made one who I've made a unit, who experience unity, and whatever that is will detract and take away 
from my unity. And so if we're going to please God in verse 32, he says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God has forgiven you. I love that that forgiveness is, is a trait that we are called to act out. It's not something that we like get controlled in and like, okay, so like now, no matter what, you'll be able to forgive everyone. Like forgiveness is one of those traits you have to choose to live out. It's one of those traits that you have to choose and make a conscious effort towards allowing people to experience. And, and forgiveness is, forgiveness is, is, is tough. It's tough. Come on. It's tough because usually forgiveness is somehow connected to pride. Because like, if we can be honest, we can struggle with forgiveness because we, we feel like you took advantage or you, 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 didn't, you didn't take advantage of the grace we were extending you. So I was kind to you. I bent over backwards. I loved you. I served you. I cared for you. And you did me wrong. No, you ain't getting no forgiveness. <laughs> you see all those things I did to try to show you love, all the ways I tried to set it up so you can experience joy, all the ways that I wanted to seek care for you. And now I'm not supposed to have a grudge. You, 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 do, do you see the equation? You see how it adds up and you see how destructive it is? I, I, knew, I, I knew that forgiveness was tough for me when I, when, I, when I pull up to my house and I don't want to go in. When I know there's been a rift and and I know God is saying, I want you to apologize. I can't even look over there because my wife over there, so I'm going to just keep looking this way. <laughs> so I know there's a riff. <laughs> and, and God is saying, okay, go home, apologize. Go home, make things right. Go home and forgive. And I get to the door and I don't want to go in. Now, I could, I could, today, you could say, go build me a house. In that moment, I'll go build you a house. In that moment, um, I, I'll, I'll take a risk. Like, if you say, hey, can you jump between these two buildings? They're both, like, 40 feet high. I'll take the jump. Like, but, but, but having to go be before my wife and actually swallow my pride, I, I, in that moment, I, I think, literally, I'd probably rather take a bullet. And, I don't, and, and it's because our pride within us doesn't let us want to actually experience the reconciliation God's trying to offer. As God is trying to guide you, the last step of forgiveness is a big one where not only do you have to be loving, not only do you have to be tenderhearted, you also have to be willing to wipe the slate clean. And in wiping the slate clean, it means that you might do it again. It means that you have the opportunity to hurt me again. And Christ is saying, now you get it. Now you get what I've gone through. 
Now you see how much I love you and that I have forgiven you 10 times what you think somebody else has wronged you. So when you become aware of the forgiveness that I've extended you now that you get it, would you please extend that to somebody else? Would you be reminded every time you don't want to go in that door and forgive every time you like, but but they did this, but look at this, but you, God, you saw that. Would you pause and, and roll out your scroll, which runs all the way down Mac and goes to Chicago of all the different times that you've wronged him, that we've wronged him? And he said, yep, come here, son. Come here, daughter. You're forgiven. And God's saying when we have that type of posture, we please him. When we are encouraging each other, when we don't lie, when we tell the truth, when we allow anger to be anger for things that he would be mad about. But if it ain't what he mad about, then, Lord, we're going to put it to the side. When we are quick to forgive. That. It's what brings God glory. And so we're in this season right now. We're in a season within our community. It's the season that teachers praise the Lord about. If you know a teacher, they're probably doing that dance right quick because it's the end of the school year. And at the end of the school year, you have these big events called graduations. And while you might come And there's a little keynote speaker. Who cares who the keynote speaker is? You got all dressed up. Everybody look nice. The reason why you go to graduations is to see your baby walk. Walk. Our whole topic these next weeks is about walking it out. But I I pulled up a clip that I wanted y'all to be able to see because this is the image that I get of God when he sees us walking it out in the way that he calls us to. Can you pull that up, James? what I imagine God is like when he sees the old people who used to act out of sinful flesh now walking in this new light and he's rejoicing in you saying look at Marvin encouraging look at Owen telling the truth and allowing his words to comfort and care for people look at Celine containing anger and not letting it take root in her, but actually praying, seeking me and responding to what I care about most. Look at my people loving and forgiving one another. I cry because I know anger is real and I know it hits home. 
But I also know what celebration looks like. I also know what it looks like when God sees us and delights in us and says, go ahead, you are pleasing me. Look at you, a changed person, not the old person. Look at you operating in the new you. Go ahead. Go ahead. And so if you are a person today that has not experienced this forgiveness in Jesus, if you are a person today that does not know the forgiveness that we speak of, we want that for you. We want you to know that Jesus died so that you could experience love for the Father, but so that the sin, the ways that you acted, the the behavior that was not like him, that has hurt his heart, he's died so that you could be forgiven of all that and actually put on new clothes, baby. Put on new clothes. And so today is the day that we would love to be the first day of the rest of your new life in Christ. Is that if that is you, then we want you to just I want everybody now to bow your heads. If that is you and you want to walk in this new life, I just ask you simply raise your hand. Lord, we are so thankful that you give us new life. And we are so thankful, Lord, that you provide salvation. And Lord, we also know that some of us are saved and we struggle with being shackled to anger and the way that it controls us. And we are mad that that is our reality. But we don't want to give in. We don't want to submit to it. And we don't want to say that that's going to be our future. God, you freed us and you've allowed us to no longer be chained to lying, to impressing people to cutting people with our words. Lord, you freed us that we can delight in you. But Lord, there's also some people here who don't know you as Lord. And today, Lord, as they've heard about forgiveness, we pray, Father, that they would submit to you, choose your ways, and say, I want this loving, saving God to be my God. I want to walk in a manner worthy of his call. Lord, we are so thankful for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Family, we're now going to have a time of community. You got some. Oh, so we do, we do allow questions to happen within our church family. And so uh, my sister had a question. So my sister says, can you speak a little bit about where we get the strength to do the things that are unnatural? So that, that, that Holy Spirit entity is a power that dwells and lives within us once we accept Christ in our heart. Christ was, ex- was excited to share with his disciples that, look, I've got to go. I've got to die. I've got to reign with God so that you can get the Holy Spirit that's going to empower you to do some great miracles. And one of those miracles was being able to live free from sin being able to not be shackled to the ways that maybe mama and them raised you, ways to the culture raised you, ways that are actually tearing apart who you are, but actually live in a way that gives life, that builds you up, and that connects you with God. And so the power that we have to be able to do these things is in the Holy Spirit, and we want to be a people who continually tap into the power of the Spirit. Great question, Seth. Family, we are now going to have a time of communion, uh, communion, and we're going to have a time of tithe and offering. Uh, 
So we're going to have a time of prayer um, instead. And, yep, I'm deviating. Uh, I would love to have just like two sisters. Um, Rebecca, would you come up, please? Um, Alex, would you come up, please? We're going to actually spend some time praying. Uh, if you would like to be prayed for, um, we're going to have a time of prayer. Uh, I'm looking and I'm just seeing a number of people seeming heavy. And I just want to, if the Lord is telling me to pray, I'm going to pray. So sorry, y'all. This is not off, on script. Uh, we're going to have our time of communion and our time of tithe and offering take place. Uh, but then we're going to have a time of prayer taking place up here so that even while they're singing a song, if you want to come up, get communion and receive prayer, uh, that can happen at the sides. Amen. Amen. Amen.